Welcome back, everyone, to Drunk Bible Study Bonus Edition. Wow, where we're talking about episode 149. Woo. We had some fun times. We had fun times. Fun times. We're, we're so close to the end of Isaiah. So close. I feel like we've had some like rapid fire Jesus mentions or, or well-known <laughs> mentions. I guess the Lord is my shepherd is not necessarily a Jesus mention. It's about God in general. But well, yeah, and also it's from well, maybe from David. We'll get into that a little bit later. Oh, but okay, yeah, we're gonna talk. Well, about with that all of it, there's always that maybe. But the, like David's time was way before we were talking about messiahs, hmm. right? Messiahs are like solidly oh. in prophet territory. Yeah, or like like later prophet territory, like Isaiah and Jeremiah and those sorts of dudes. So yeah. so yeah, it makes sense that David's not David's not focused on that. He's just focused on Yahweh. That's why Yahweh loved him so much. Yeah, I mean, that's all clearly that he's focused on. <laughs> um, so we looked up some fun stuff this time around, but I want to talk to you all about fasting because I found the most amazing PDF ever <laughs> Okay, about day of fasting and prayer guidelines for individuals or small groups. Truly, it's, it's I love it. I, lo- I love it. It's so interesting. I, I was floored by how delighted I was by this PDF. I, I watched you researching it, being delighted, and I was like, what the heck is she finding? Like, What could possibly be so interesting? It's fascinating. But what is the source of it? Is it from a church? Is it from a youth group? What, what is what's this? Assets.speakcdn.com. It says there's a there's a pastor, Rick Warren, a pastor, a doctor, Bill Bright, and a pastor, Lance Witt. Okay, so some pastors involved. It's okay, all, so it's some pastors. Cool. Yeah. All right. Okay. So, okay. First of all, they're talking about what is fasting. What is it? It's a spiritual discipline that's taught in the Bible. And apparently, Jesus expected his followers to fast, and God also rewards fasting, according to Pastor Rick. Fasting, according to the Bible, means to voluntarily reduce or eliminate your intake of food for a specific time and purpose. But this is so funny to me, this Matthew 6, 16 to 18. When you give up eating, don't put on a sad face like the hypocrites. (laughs) They make their faces look sad to show people that they are giving up eating. I tell you the truth, these hypocrites have already had their full reward. So when you give up eating, comb your hair and wash your face. These people will not know that you are giving up eating, but your father, whom you cannot see, will see you. Your father sees what is done in secret, and he will reward you. It's the same theme. I'm like, yeah, I know this. I know this one. I know those verses. I've heard them many times. Really? Oh, yeah. Okay, well, I hadn't. That was funny to me because I had never heard it before. (laughs) Um, I want to... Well, yes. Well, I was just going to say what was really interesting to me today was the fact that I had heard that before from Matthew, like Jesus saying that. But this was the first time I was like, oh, no, this idea goes way back before Jesus. This idea way of like, back. don't make it about the show of fasting, yeah, but about the like, and I, I, I would even argue that what's in Isaiah is even better than what Jesus said, where Isaiah is focused on like, also like, let this be a time when you help other people and instead of making it all about you, right? Help other people and like free people from oppression and stuff. Like that's cool. That's a cool messaging to go with fasting that not a lot of people I know who fast do. Yeah. This didn't go that much into the other helping people thing. Uh, So this thing where whatever this PDF was for 
is for the United Day of Fasting and Prayer, which when this PDF was created, and this is a long time ago, on 9-22-2004. Okay. Wow. For that's the 40, an old, that's an old, old PDF. PDF. Yeah. Old PDF to still be on this World Wide Web. <laughs> for the 40 Days of Community Campaign. So, okay, we're fasting for three reasons. Fasting gives you more time for prayer. More time for prayer. Uh, it says you can use the time you'd normally spend eating as time for prayer right. for what God wants us to do among us during this campaign. All right? Mm -hmm. Two, fasting demonstrates the depth of your desire when praying for something. All right? Okay. It shows okay. that you're serious yeah. enough about your prayer. Okay, so so you, yeah, you're showing that you're sacrificing this, so it's it's like it gets a little mm -hmm. bit jumped in the queue to God. So God's like, whoa, <laughs> okay, wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay, it's like when you put in your request at karaoke and you also put in like a $10 bill, you yeah. kind of oh, end up further ahead do that. in the listen, queue. Yeah. <laughs> listen, when the, it's like an hour and a half wait, always do that is all that I'm saying. <laughs> Number three, fasting releases God's supernatural power. It releases it. It's a tool... Apparently, it's a tool that we can use when there is a opposition to God's will. Satan would like nothing better than to cause division, discouragement, defeat, depression, and doubt. All the D's. United prayer and fasting has always been used by God to deal a decisive blow to the enemy. The ultimate D. <laughs> Um, and then it goes on to like the, this is, I am sorry, this is the most amazing PDF I've ever come across in my life. Um, this talks about the importance of fasting and apparently Moses fasted before he received the 10 commandments. Yeah, I don't remember did that this. For 40 days and 40 nights. That was a long yeah, okay. fast. I heard about 40 days and 40 nights, but I thought that he was just wandering the desert. I didn't realize he was also fasting. He didn't eat bread or drink water. That's nuts. Yeah. I'm pretty sure Moses died. <laughs> The Israelites fasted before a miraculous victory. Um, some, Which, some men came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against oh. you from Edom and from the other side of the sea. It is already in Hazan Tamar. Alarmed. I don't Je think we're there yet. Yeah, this is in Chronicles. Jehoshaphat ah. resolved to inquire of the Lord and he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. Okay. Then apparently Daniel fasted and Nehemiah fasted. Nehemiah? Ne Nehemiah. Nehemiah. And Jesus <laughs> fasted during his victory over temptation. Yep. Yep. We'll it's get nice. there eventually. So a lot of people fasted. And okay, two cautions. I'm just going to leave you with this. Two cautions. Remember that fasting is not earning an answer to prayer. God cannot be blackmailed by human effort. God wants to answer our prayers and he answers out of grace Fasting simply prepares us for God's answer. Okay, good caveat there. Got it. Okay. Was there a second concern? That was first concern? Yes. Fast only if your health allows it at this time. If you are able yeah. to do only a partial fast, do it in faith and God will honor your intentions. That's nice. Mm -hmm. And I appreciate that there's a ton of like space for insights. This is a PDF that you get and you can and you write print. down your insights. You print it so you can write you down. You print notes. it. Okay. Yeah. And then you write down your insights. So wow. anyways, there's even more and they even like get into like maintaining a nutritional balance while you're fasting. And it's fun mm -hmm. like that. How to finish your fast in a healthy way and then more insights 
Wow. It's so cute. I love it. I I fasted once in middle school. Like Whoa. as part of a in middle school fast. Yep. As a as a Christian yep. fast, yeah. As a Christian fast, yes. Uh-huh. Yes. Okay. And I believe my stepdad at the time, I remember also doing a fast. I think he would still drink like broth, you know. I think it was This talks about the broth. Yeah, right. he would still do a little bit of broth, but yeah, that was definitely a thing for sure. Yeah, I remember This is so funny. Yeah, because sorry, and then I'll say what I want to no, say. No, 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 you yeah. go ahead. You go ahead. I'm just going to say two things. According to this PDF, fasting is not a test for super saints. It's not a means of twisting God's arm as if anyone could do that. <laughs> it's not getting a magical formula for getting through to God. Okay, number one. And number two, fasting is feasting on the Lord Yum. Looking to him for comfort, power, <laughs> strength, guidance, forgiveness, and hope. Wow. I love that idea. We're eating the Lord through Gosh. our prayer. Prayer? Prayer. 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 Boy, prayer. Oh boy. Yeah. All right. That's it. What did you wow. want to say I was just, okay. This just reminded me of a random story that I remember from a church service from when I was, I don't know, probably 11 or 12 or something like that. And at the church service, the pastor told this story about, I think it wasn't even his story. I think it was like a story from another pastor, but who was on an airplane and they came around with the food and the person sitting next to them turned the food down and was like, you know, no, thank you. And in making conversation, they said something like, oh, are you on a diet or what? And they're like, oh, no, I'm part of the International Church of Satan and we're fasting for the death of pastors and their families. Wow. And, <laughs> and of course, this story was told in the context of frightened people about, right, how real Satanism is and how terrible it is and, <laughs> and, and what have you. And thinking about this many, many years later, the story really stuck with me. Thinking about it later, I'm like... It's really that this person was like, how dare you nose into why I'm eating or not? And it's like, I'm going to mm. mess with you. Like, that's the interpretation I mean, yeah. I've come away with later. I'm just like, who do you think you are butting into my business and whatever? Anyway, it's just really stuck with me. I love that. that story. I love that. Yeah. That's not the first time I've heard of that. I think this is the thing is, and I'm going to touch on this when I talk about my own stuff as well, but it's like a lot of evangelical Christians are so spooked by the idea of Satanism and take this idea of Satan and devil worship very, very seriously that uh-huh. yeah. they're very easy to fool, essentially. Like, like there is a very famous uh, Christian radio show host named Bob Larson, who as soon as people kind of caught wind mm. that, oh, this guy takes Satanism really, really seriously, like, and there was no vetting of callers on his show, people would call up all the time saying all kinds of wild stuff about Satanism, about devil worship, about the things that they did. And oftentimes even being very upfront about like, I think your show is hilarious. And like sometimes (laughs) even being very bald-faced about the fact that they're 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 kind of trying to pull this guy's leg. They're making fun, you know? Taking the piss, that's the word I was looking for. Yes, but they took it seriously. Yeah. You know, and and that sounds like, yeah, that's a page out of that book exactly, that someone could have picked up on the fact that this guy's a pastor and just decided to mess with him a little bit. Totally, yeah, that might have come up in conversation. They overheard it and decided to mess with this guy. Anything is possible. It reminds me too of many, many, many years ago, there was some interview on, I don't know, 60 Minutes or some interview show with whatever guy was like the leader of the Church of Satan at that time. And he was sort of clarifying in the interview being like, 
he's like the idea that you would worship Satan is sort of saying like you acknowledge there's a good guy and a bad guy and you're siding with the bad guy. He's like, that's ridiculous. Like that's not actually what we're about. We're really just atheists. <laughs> and like, yeah, this is the way sure. we do it. And I was just like, coming from that, I'm like, yeah, okay. Yeah. But all the Christians get so scared of it that it, and I think that's the point, right? I think that was the point, of course, to like cause some drama, get some attention, I guess. Yeah, of course. Okay, well, I'm going to talk to you about biblical armor. Okay. Cool. I thought I thought for a second you were going to go into a long thing about real armor and all its pieces and how it's put together. Oh, I would. And, okay, I know you I would. I would. I very easily could have gone there, but I, I didn't. You're welcome. Hmm. I did not. Okay. So yeah, so we read this verse in Isaiah that mentions you know, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, the undergarments of indignation, the mantle of That's zeal, not... whatever okay. whatever it was. I don't have it in front of me, uh-huh. so I'm paraphrasing. What was not clear to me was that this verse was referring to, this is the armor that Yahweh is going to wear uh, when he shows oh. up to save us. Oh. That is, yes. I did not realize that yeah. at so all. So he's going to be clad in all these really cool things. Yeah. So first point to distinguish that this is talking about the armor that Yahweh is going to wear. Now, this stands a little bit in contrast to the other verse that we alluded to, which is in Ephesians 6, 10 through 17, where we talk about the armor of God again. So, okay, I'm going to read this passage from Ephesians, and I want y'all to envision this armor, like envision putting it on yourself. Okay. And okay. Yeah. let yeah. me know how it feels. Okay. So, okay. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled Mm. around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition... I'm assuming that's a boot. Yeah. Okay. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation, put it on your head, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Yeah. Okay. So that's the full list of the armor of God in the New Testament. Now, take a little mental inventory of everything you're wearing and and how do you feel? Do you feel ready for battle? Uh, I feel like my... My privates are a little exposed right now. That's true. Yeah, there's not a lot going on down there. there I have everything but the loins. I've just got covered. a breastplate, some boots, a helmet, and a sword and a shield. And I'm just in my underwear, I guess, like a loincloth. I do have a belt. belt. You're right. I do have a belt. Yes. Okay. That's nice, but that's not going to cover everything. <laughs> that's the thing that always bothered me as a kid is that it's like, what about the pants? What about your butt? No pants for you. No pants. (laughs) Maybe the belt, maybe by belt, they mean kind of like a codpiece kind of a situation. It's like a little strappy metal skirt. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, this is the funny thing is, so when I was growing up, I'm sure they still manufacture these, but every Christian bookstore sold like a plastic set of armor. I had it. That course, of course you did. I had that set of armor. What? Heck Yeah. Is this because think thing? about it. It's like, this is the cool armor you can give your kid, and it's Christian, so it's a win-win-win right? situation. What? Your kid wants to run around yes. with a sword, attacking their siblings or whatever, but they can be Christian <laughs> at the same time. 
Win-win for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. I had this armor. I actually think technically my brother had this armor, but I would wear it sometimes. Wow. Naturally. Naturally. Yeah, that's what brothers do. Yeah. And this... This took me down a little a little bit of a rabbit hole that I won't I won't force y'all to go down, but just about this concept of spiritual mm. warfare that's really, really endemic to a lot of particularly evangelical Christianity. So it's like laying out this language and this imagery that's very military that it's like we have to put on this armor because I mean even in Ephesians here he's talking about how like there's going to be flaming arrows of the evil one Mm -hmm. being shot at you that's why you need the shield of faith you know you need to be able to stand your ground and and fight against the forces of evil and it's yeah it's this kind of weird imagery around battle and warfare that in my opinion is a little bit maladaptive and not super helpful for Christians to place themselves in kind of this narrative of like, we're fighting a battle against the forces of evil. It's a very exciting, very heroic narrative. It's a very cinematic narrative, right. but is a very black and white mm. narrative that I think positions people to maybe not be quite so, let's say, compassionate and actually Christ-like yeah. in their actions. Um, I mean, this also feeds into the whole... I mean, like you were just talking about, Jace, this whole kind of like, oh gosh, yeah, there's Satanism, this very clear evil force Mm -hmm. that we have to battle against and they have their boogeymen everywhere when the reality is maybe a little bit different. But I'm going to save that energy for that conversation for another time because there's probably more appropriate times to go into it. Anyway, there's your armor. No, just there's your armor. Good luck protecting your privates. Okay. It's not going to happen. Enjoy. Maybe I'm hoping, exposed. I'm hoping it's a tall shield at least. So at least I've got some kind of coverage on the bottom okay. half there. But you know what, though? It kind of makes me think of like He-Man. It's like he didn't have a lot of armor going on. He had a lot of exposed legs and chests there. Sure. He didn't even have a chest piece. So, you know, I guess that little piece kind of right over the center of his chest. But other than that, he's pretty exposed. My that's true. I also had He-Man armor as a kid. So th- these are sort of my two points of reference. So Got it. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I want to talk to you real quick about Psalm 23, which we read and we delighted in it. Is that the it. most well-known psalm probably? So that is one of the things I found is that uh, according to some sources, it is the most famous of all the psalms. Uh, and that doesn't surprise me. I mean, it's – and that's yeah. actually what I wanted to get to is Emily – yeah. You even had heard that before. Yeah. Um, so and that's a big deal. You said but when we started reading this, you're like, I know about Noah and Noah. The Lord and like, is my that shepherd. was it. <laughs> so like this one too. Yeah. What what do you got? Yeah. So like I've definitely been in a church with someone. I maybe you or maybe James, my best friend. Um and all of a sudden, in the middle of the service, everyone kind of like looks down at the ground and starts mumbling. And what they mumble is like, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And then I don't know the rest of it, but that's basically what happens. Okay. Right? Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not sure quite like the context in which that happened. I don't know. Like, it felt like a church thing. Or have I done it at a funeral? Well, okay. So I will walk through this valley of the shadow of the death. <laughs> yes. And I will fear no evil. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's what I learned in looking this up is, first of all, uh, this is traditionally sung during the third meal of Shabbat for Jews. 
Mm. And in Christian tradition, depending on your flavor of Christianity, because there are so many, uh-huh. uh, it's used at, at different points. But specifically in the Roman Catholic Church, it's sung as a responsorial in Masses for the Dead. Okay. And then also it is used in funerals. It used to not be, but apparently in like the early 1900s, 1928, I guess, is when the Episcopal Book of Prayer was rewritten to include this one as well before there were some other psalms in it, but this one wasn't one. Okay. But sort of more recent-ish, apparently, this one became hot, hot for funerals. So hot right now. Uh Uh-huh. Now, my relation to this psalm has mostly been through music. Dedeker, what about you? Is that kind of your thing or or just just kind of one of those things you always hear? Just one of those things you always hear. Probably Mm. had to memorize it at some point. I I think even as a child, I knew that this psalm was overplayed and never really attached to it so much. (laughs) So it's funny. It it also, it gets quoted a ton in movies and stuff too. It's Mm, often one that you'll hear in movies will get whipped out when someone is doing something scary or difficult. It'll kind of be like a thing to comfort them. At least I remember that from some things. It's also in the list of songs that reference this psalm. It is a very, very long list of songs. Some, though, that stand out where I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, totally, is uh, there's a U2 song called Love Rescue Me. Gotta love that. And it's in there? there, It's a reference to it. Like words from it are used in it. Uh, Coolio's Gangsta's Paradise, of course. (sighs) As the line, as I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I take a look at my life and realize there's nothing left, right? Got it. There's a Michael W. Smith song. Um, What was, there's some other good ones here. A Marilyn Manson song. Gotta have that. Speaking of Of Satanism. Uh, Kanye West, Jesus Walks, references this psalm. And then there's also like a song by The Offspring and a Megadeth song. Like, this is a hot kind of across the board. Everything Super from hot. Christian songs to very not Christian songs. Everyone loves the imagery and stuff in this. Uh, it's, a, it's a hot, hot thing. But the version that's my favorite and the one that I wanted to share with the two of you, because I think it's, it doesn't get the attention it deserves, maybe, is a version by Bobby McFerrin. Oh, yeah? From 1990 off of his album... Uh, uh, what's it called? Medicine Medicine Music is the name of this album. came out in 1990. And specifically, it's called the 23rd Psalm Dedicated to My Mother. Huh. And what I think is really cool about this is that he did his own kind of paraphrased translation of the psalm. So first, I just want to read you the translation, and then I'll play you a little bit of it. So it's really cool. It goes, The Lord is my shepherd. I have all I need. She makes me lie down in green meadows. Beside the still waters, she will lead. She restores my soul. She rights my wrongs. She leads me in a path of good things and fills my heart with songs. Even though I walk through a dark and dreary land, there is nothing that can shake me. She has said she won't forsake me. I'm in her hand. She sets a table before me in the presence of my foes. She anoints my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely, surely goodness and kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will live in her house forever, forever and ever. Glory be to our mother and daughter and to the Holy of Holies, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Hmm. Amen. 
It's beautiful. That's sweet. It's beautiful, yeah. right? And yeah. he yeah. also ropes in that ending, which is not part of the psalm that we read, but is part of that that common like Catholic ending that gets stuck onto the end of all sorts of things. Uh, and let me just play you a little bit of this. It's really beautiful. I sang it in um, jazz choir in high school, actually, is when I was first introduced to this. Just love it. It's so cool. And the whole thing goes That's on beautiful. like that. It's all just four-part acapella, all sung by Bobby McFerrin wow. on the recording. It's beautiful. It's pretty progressive for 1990 to change mm. the pronouns to be female pronouns. Yeah. I also found this surprising on this YouTube video from the real Bobby McFerrin. So like the official channel. This has 322 likes, which is not very many, and 55 dislikes. And at first I was like, who the heck dislikes Bobby McFerrin? And then I was like, I bet it's the pronouns. I bet people are still yeah. upset about that. No, yeah. yep. whatever. I mean, it could also be just straight up racism as well on top of that. Hey, you know what? Let's just mix it all in together. Yep. Let's get yep. it all in there. I uh, got to see Bobby McFerrin live. He came to my college when I was there. Wow. And when he was there, it was actually kind of awkward. They awarded him like an honorary diploma from from Oberlin Conservatory of Music. Oh, really? At this thing. But he told a story during the show about applying to Oberlin and them rejecting him. So there was, he was a little cool. bit like, all right, guys, but don't think you're off the hook. Like, I'm aware that you rejected me before. They so. rejected him? Yeah, oh, my god. He applied and did not get in. Wow. Well, and their I'm laws, sure they, quite frankly. They've kicked themselves for that afterwards. Yeah. But his performance was amazing. It was all just him, literally just him by himself with no instruments, only him singing, and all of us were captivated for like an hour. It was truly incredible. Yeah. I'm sure it was gorgeous. Yeah. She is. Anyway. Wow. That's what I got about Psalm 23. Heck yes. That was fun. That was fun, y'all. We're, we're getting there. We're almost done. And... We've been really lucky to go on this journey with you, as always. Yes. Yes, we have. We have. Yes. And we're going to bring it home and and thank God for Isaiah taking us on what a wild, drug-filled journey. Two, Two more episodes. episodes. Two yeah. more episodes. Yes. Let's do it. Yep. We will see you all then in the regular Drunk Bible Study. Thanks for listening, everyone.